Father, we thank you for being so good to us. You are good. You are so good. Why don't you guys be seated for a minute? I want to I wanna share something with you I've seen during worship. I really feel like it's significant. life on worship today. Was this just powerful? You guys did an amazing job. Just amazing. Thank you. So good. So sometimes during worship I like to wander around the room and I was doing that and you know actually I got here pretty early this morning. We had run out of oil and it was pretty cold in here and the guys came and made an early delivery this morning and so I, I got here early and one of the things I did I don't know if I've ever done this before since I've been here. I have, I have a bottle of some special anointing oil, and I just felt moved by God to just walk through the room and anoint the chairs. I anointed all the microphones this morning and, and just uh, prayed and anointed the doorways that you know, the presence of God would be here and that, that we'd, we'd know his heart. And, and um, So during worship, I think I was on that side of the room, um, I saw a picture, and it kind of looked like the, the horn part of a trumpet. You know how it kind of is really thin on this side and opens up wide on the other end? It wasn't a trumpet, but that was the shape of what I seen, and there were people coming through it. It was you. You were coming through it. There was one end that was tight. It was really narrow. It was very restrictive, and you were coming out into a wide place, and on the, on the wide place, on the, the bell of this, this trumpet-type shape, this, this end of the tunnel, there were colors. There was all type of reflective colors. And as I was looking at this picture, not quite understanding it, just, just observing what the Spirit of God shown to me, this is the phrase I hear. I hear him speak a phrase into my mind. And this is it. Event horizon. Now I got to tell you, I don't know in my whole life if I've ever thought of those two words together. Event horizon. Now, I know that the term exists. I have no idea what it means, so I take out my trusty iPhone. Right? Gotta love the iPhone. And I look up Event Horizon. And under uh, Wikipedia, listen to what it says. It says, in general relativity, an event horizon is a boundary in space-time beyond which events cannot affect an outside observer. In layman's terms, it's defined as <laughs> a point of no return. In layman's terms, it's defined as this, as a point of no return. And this is what I sensed it mean. What was God showing me? That he was taking us out of a restrictive place, out of a tight place, out of a thin place, out of a hard place into a wide place. And that this morning, I felt like during worship, mark your calendars, okay? Today's what, the 30th? Mark your calendars. This is, today is a point of no return. I believe that from this day forward, things are going to change. I think we're going to see things change in this congregation. I know that you're going to see changes in your own life. There are circumstances that you've been dealing with. There's been hard things, tight things, restrictive things that you've been contending with. And that time is over. This day marks the point of no return when we walk into a wide place, an open place, a place filled with the color of God. 
place of wideness in his presence. And I felt like the worship was just a, an expression, an example, a taste, a sign, a token of what's to come. So let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for the, for the creative, for the amazing, for the exciting ways, the unusual ways in, in which you speak. Lord, I thank you that you speak in ways that we understand, that you speak our language. I thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, I say yes. I say yes as the pastor of this church. I say yes for my own life and for my friends gathered here. That we will have reached that point of no return. There's no turning back. That we're walking out of the hard place. We're walking out of the tight, restrictive place and walking into a wide place filled with your color, filled with your music, filled with your life. We say yes, Lord. We say yes. Bring it on. Let it come. Let it rain upon us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can we worship a little bit more? Whatever you guys are doing, just keep doing it. its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Whew. That was good. Yeah. I'd show up early every Sunday for that. That rocks. Oh, man. Hot stuff. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> you ladies are awesome today. Let's take up an offering. We really appreciate your generosity. Boy, things have been tight for a while, and they're still tight. And so um, if you could give and give generously and consistently, it would make uh, paying our bills a whole lot easier. So, Father, thank you for this offering. We actually bless it and multiply it. Use it for your purposes and bring glory to your name. Amen? Amen. 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 Whew.
Yes. Okay. Grab a microphone, that one. Chris's microphone probably works. Jenny wants to share something that she's seen. George, can we put this mic back on? Uh, <laughs> Is it switched off? It's not just there. I'll, I'll just be really loud. <laughs> Is it on? Um, during the first part of worship, when I was up here worshiping with uh, this, um, I kept seeing like the bride of Christ in, in beautiful white garment, dressed the way the Lord dresses the bride. But I then I saw like. Um, a handful of the most gorgeous jewels and they weren't little ones like you know like little ones that we wear on our hands like a handful of jewels from the Lord every color brilliant brilliant beyond what I could describe and they were uh, so vibrant that when I, I expected to see them when I opened my eyes you know that they would be right here and uh, and it was like he was he was showing me that they were the jewels that he adorns his bride with because he is the one who makes us beautiful that was that was the first thing that i saw and then during this last part of the worship set as uh as i kept singing about the love of god i saw a very dark window like a frame and the glass and it was like a smoked black glass and as we were singing about the love of christ he, he was saying to me his love shatters the darkness wow. it just and and rather than like blowing out like this the window shattered, and the glass, the shards of glass just fell to the ground, and that was the end of it. Wow. It was awesome. Sounds like some kind of breakthrough, huh? Sounds like a breakthrough. <clears throat> Very cool. Jen, you want to come on up here? What did you see this morning? <clears throat> it was um, just at the very end. One of the kids had dropped a Band-Aid on the floor, and I opened my eyes, and I saw the Band-Aid on the floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, the... He said, we're not going to need Band-Aids anymore. There's going to be no more just covering up the boo-boos. It's going to be fixed. Wow. And it's going to be done. Yeah. And we won't need any more Band-Aids. That's good. Mm, that's good. I, you know, I, I noticed that too when the Band-Aid dropped to the floor and I had a, that same kind of sense in my heart, wow, that, you know, that they would be healing, you know, that, the, that the, we wouldn't need the bandages anymore. Anybody else? Anybody else see something during worship that you would like to share? Okay. Thank you, ladies. Um, just uh, usual announcements uh, for the week. Um, on Tuesdays, we have a prayer at uh, Jenny's and, uh, at 10 a.m. and Joanne's at 8.30 p.m. on the first and third Tuesdays. Tuesday nights, we got uh, our outreach at the Spoon. Come on down. We're having fun. Food Pantry is at 6 on Wednesdays, and Maurice has a small group that meets here at 7.30. Also on Wednesdays, the book club. Boy, we've been getting snowed out and really uh, have had a few delays. So we're still on chapters 15 
and 16 for this coming week, unless there's another snowstorm. We've been getting hit about weekly uh, lately. But it's a really good book. I think it's worth um, pressing through. Youth group, uh, we have a little bit of an unusual schedule for February on, on uh, Saturday the 12th. Nadine and I are going to talk to the teens about the birds and the bees. I'm sure they'll be well attended that night. I told uh, that I'll make a presentation. They can ask questions and Nadine will answer. You know? <laughs> and then uh, on Sunday afternoons, uh, February 13th and 27th, there'll be youth worship here after the service. Is that right? Okay. Um, if you'd like to help cleaning, help cleaning the church, boy, we could use uh, some help. There's a sign-up sheet uh, by the, uh, like that picture? There's a sign-up sheet out by the uh, coffee bar. And um, if by some chance we do get snowed out on a Sunday, check our website, thebridgelongisland.com, and I'll, um, I'll have something right on the face page there if we have to cancel uh, due to inclement weather. Did I miss any announcements? Any, anything? No? Okay, well, open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Last week, I started a new series of messages entitled Live by the Spirit. And in part one, we took a look at Zechariah chapter 4, especially verse 6, where it says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I told you that we have a mission as a church. Our, our general mission as the whole church, our mission is to be light in darkness. And God gave us you know, lots of scripture texts to back that up, and we looked at some of those. And then I told you about there's two rejected methods here. In, in this verse, verse 6 of Zechariah chapter 4. And the two rejected methods are might and power. Or as G. Campbell Morgan would say, resources and resoluteness. Those are the rejected methods to fulfill our mission, to do the work of God's kingdom. And that the one that's accepted, it's our secret weapon. And it's called by the Spirit. That's how we do it. Not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. Uh, says the Lord. That's our, that's our secret weapon, the Spirit of the Lord Almighty. And so we, I shared about that uh, last week. Today, uh, in our second part, I want to take a look at uh, Galatians chapter 5, and I want to talk about some internal battles. I want to talk about facts versus faith, and I want to look at first things first. So if you're open up to Galatians 5, please follow along as I begin reading at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mock my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law, you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, underline it today. The scripture says, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, that the only thing that counts is faith 
expressing itself through love. Now, if there is any place in the Word of God that's going to have the phrase, the only thing that counts, I need to know what's, what follows that. And this is saying that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through, through love. Verse 7, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? What kind of persuasion? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, he will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, I am still... If I am still preaching circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. For those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Anybody here ever done a study to read exactly what they're talking about in uh, verse 12 there? I'll let you do that on your own. God bless St. Paul, man after my own heart. He is a man who loved freedom, and he had some passionate opinions about those who would put God's people into a yoke of slavery again. I'm just saying. Verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are, so that you are not to do, excuse me, they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, and factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Lord, I pray that you help me today to speak your word to your people in a way that's life-giving to them. And I ask this in Jesus' name. So I like to read Scripture in context. I don't like taking things out of context. And so usually if I want to share on just a couple of verses, I like to give you some before it and some after it so you get a sense of the whole of what the writer is saying. But what I want to focus on primarily this morning, and there's so much in this text that I love. There's so, so many parts of it that resonate with my heart that I'd love to share with you, and maybe we'll get 
into it more as the series goes on. But this morning, I want to look at verses 16 to 18. Listen to them again. Paul writes, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh, for the, for the flesh desires were this contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Anybody else, am I the only one here who's ever felt that internal battle between the spirit and the flesh? Isn't the word of God absolutely true when it says that they are a conflict with one another, right? There's a sense of what you, you feel like you're led by God, what you're supposed to do on one side, and it smacks right up against, you know, the flesh on the other side. And they clash with one another. They're in conflict with one another. So lately, I've sensed this internal battle uh, among us, and it, not between individuals, but within ourselves. It feels like there's a war raging between the soul and the spirit. And I think I know why. It's time for us to learn to live by the spirit. How else are we going to learn how to do it? How do we learn to live by the spirit? Well, one of the ways we learn, one of the lessons that we learn is that we battle against the flesh, we battle against the desires of the sinful nature, and we overcome it by choosing to live by the Spirit. So it's time for us to learn to live by the Spirit. I believe that it's time for us to learn, to practice, and to experiment with true power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of a supernatural life. You know, a running parallel, a walking parallel with the spiritual life, keeping in step with the Spirit, as Galatians 5 says. I think this is a golden opportunity for us because it's like the difference between going north or south. If you choose to go north, the more you go north, the further away south is, right? If you choose to go south, as each step, each mile you drive going south, you're that much further away from north. And that's what it's like between the soul and the spirit. Or by living by the spirit, or living by, as Galatians 5 says, the flesh. When you choose for one thing, you choose against the other. So if we choose to be a people who live by the spirit. Every step that we take in that direction takes us away from the other. It's really a good deal. So this is how I see it. I think there's a bullseye on our hearts. There's an incoming attack <laughs> on our hearts. And the weapon of choice is our minds. I think there's a bullseye on our heart. And the weapon of choice used against our heart is our mind. It's the way we think. It's our fears, our doubts. It's our human logic. It's our earthly reason. All these things stand contrary to the ways of the Spirit. 
Scripture says that the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. Galatians 1.25. How many times have you heard me quote Isaiah 55.8? That his ways are not our ways, right? So our best wisdom, the wisdom of man, stands in opposition to the ways of God. So God may speak one thing to our hearts and it sparks inside of us. But then we turn around and we look at our circumstances and our minds tell our hearts something completely different. It screams the other thing to us. Facts often stand in opposition to faith. Living by the Spirit or walking in faith often means that we will have to make a choice between empirical evidence on one side and the leading of the Spirit on the other. And now, for those of us who spent a lifetime training our minds, it's very difficult to do that. Because we've been trained to put value in and to trust the empirical evidence. Even if it stands contrary to what God's Word says. Right? I have empirical evidence. There is a balance in my checkbook. <laughs> there's, no other, there's no other balance beside that balance. Right? That's empirical evidence. Yet God says, do this. Right? God says, do something other. Beyond the balance. Beyond the empirical evidence. Right? I have empirical evidence. There's this city with fortified walls all the way around it. And God tells me to take all of his people and march around that building for seven days. And, and then, oh, on the seventh day, you could blow a trumpet. And that's our battle plan for overcoming the fortified city. Sometimes faith stands in opposition to empirical evidence. Right? The empirical evidence is I have an army chasing me, and I have the Red Sea behind me, and I have the Red Sea in front of me. And God says, go that way. Faith and facts don't play nice together. And usually that place of, of um, struggle for us, as we learn to be people who live by the Spirit, is we have to be willing to trust God more than we trust the empirical evidence. Easier said than done. I struggle with it. I, I'm sure you do too. Not easy. You guys remember the old Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade movie? And this is the one where uh, he has to take this leap of faith to walk on this bridge that he really can't see. There's an optical illusion before him, and it looks like there's just this deep cavern. He can't see the bridge at all. You guys remember that movie? That was some, some years ago. And so here we, here we have this scientist, right? This man who's lived his life, you know, with empirical evidence. And he has to take a step of faith. And only as he does that, boom, is the, is the, he realized there is a bridge there. He couldn't see it, but it was there. And so often that's what it's like for us. We take a leap of faith. We don't think there's going to be anything to hold us up, anything to support us. And we're stunned and amazed, greatly surprised, delighted to discover that indeed there's been a bridge there all along. 
He had to believe what he couldn't see. It's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. The essence of faith. I'm going to trust in something greater than the empirical evidence. I'm going to put my trust in something greater than what I can see with my natural eyes. And I'll trust what I can see with my spiritual eyes instead. So metaphorically speaking, if faith is like leaping off of a cliff, at some point, at some point, your mind has to yield to the Spirit, right? At some point, <laughs> faith in what the Spirit of God says has to overrun the soul. The Spirit has to lead over the soul. It's not an easy thing for us to do as Americans. So at some point, we have to train our souls, our minds, our wills, and our emotions to yield to the Spirit. To that place where, that place of conscience where we have communion with God and we receive His wisdom. I call it the ABCs of faith. Maybe I've shared this with you before. But faith is a verb. It's an action word. I've heard somebody say once that we ought to use the term faithing. Because we're in the activity of faith. And the ABCs of faith are this. Faith is an action, A. Based upon a belief, B. Sustained by confidence. C. Faith is an action based upon a belief sustained by confidence. In other words, action. I take a risk. B. I believe. Believing God's word to me. God's promise to me. I take an action based upon that belief. And I'm sustained. I have confidence in his nature and in his character to be faithful to his promises to fulfill his word so currently the battle for our hearts the battle is for our hearts and the battleground is our minds if we can win the battle if we can win that battle then the world around us <laughs> a piece of cake it's easy once that internal battle is won. If we can win that battle of yielding our mind to His Spirit, of having our souls yielded to the Spirit, it's going to make it a whole lot easier to walk by faith and to live by the Spirit. And after that, the next steps are easy. We can multiply food like Jesus did in Matthew 4. We can have transportations like Philip experienced in Acts chapter 8, verse 39, what Jesus and the disciples did in John 6, 21. We'll have immunity to deadly diseases and poisons like Paul did in Acts 28, 5. We'll have ability to heal the sick like Jesus and his disciples throughout the New Testament. The ability to raise the dead like Jesus in John 11, or Peter in Acts chapter 9, or Paul in Acts chapter 20. 
We'll have God's life flowing freely through us. We've got to start somewhere, right? We've got to start somewhere. I think that place that's somewhere where we start is that battle for our hearts and the battleground of our minds. So first things first. Let's go back to verse 16. Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Sometimes I think the mistake we make is that we put all of our focus and our attention on the desires of the flesh instead of putting our focus and attention on walking by the Spirit. What does John Paul say? What you focus on, you make room for, right? What you fear, you empower. So if we fear the desires of the flesh, if our focus and intention is on the desires of the flesh, then we've made room for the desires of the flesh. We've empowered the desires of the flesh. But if we make our focus on his spirit, walking by the spirit, living by the spirit, if that becomes our focus, then that's what we make room for. That's what we empower. So let's start with baby steps. I think, it, I think this is true. If we do the do's, that we don't have to worry about doing the don'ts. Right? Have you heard that before? Let me say it again. If we do the do's in God's word, then we have to worry ourselves about doing the don'ts. Let's do the do's. Let's focus on walking in the spirit and not focus on the desires of the flesh. So what are the do's? What are the first steps? Well, we read verse 22 where it says, the fruit of the spirit is love, right? Goes through a whole list, right? The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You ever thought about that? The fruit of the Spirit. Whose fruit is it? <laughs> Whose fruit is it? Spirit's fruit, right? Not your fruit. It's not your fruit. <laughs> it's not your fruit. <laughs> You don't have to work hard. You don't have to make it happen. Anybody here ever been out to an apple orchard? Or have you ever picked strawberries? Or have you ever been to a, a vineyard? Have you ever seen grapevines? Right? I've, I've been to all three. And in my whole life, I've never heard a tree groan and struggle and labor to produce fruit. I've never, I know, I've never seen a branch go, and then out pops an apple. I've never seen it happen with grapes or strawberries. I've never seen them work hard. Never. All that the vine has to do, all that the branch has to do to produce fruit is to abide in the vine. So long as the branch is connect, connected to the vine, it can't help but produce fruit. I went out to a vineyard once with a friend, and he showed me how they prune vines. And they prune them brutally because fruit will grow everywhere. And for their production value, they need to control where the fruit's going to go and how much there's going to be. If there is a branch connected to the vine, there'll be fruit on that branch. It's the way he made it to be. 
The fruit of the Spirit is the Spirit's fruit. It's not based upon your performance. <laughs> it's not based upon how good you are. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you connected to the vine? If you're connected to the vine, the Spirit will produce fruit because it's the Spirit's fruit. It's not your fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is what we focus on, we make room for. Man, we've been sold a lie. Just, this is what Paul's talking about to the Galatians in chapter 5. He's passionate in that chapter. Read those verses. Go back and read verse 12. He's furious at people who had sold Christians a bag of goods that they had to work hard at this Christian life that somehow it was all based upon their performance and their ability to keep rules and regulations. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. And the freedom is this, to abide in the vine. The freedom is this, that there's no longer a barrier between you and your heavenly Father. There's no longer a barrier between you and his Spirit. There's no longer anything that's going to keep tied off or restricted based upon your performance of man-made rules and regulations, the flow of the Spirit through you to produce the Spirit's fruit in you. So first things first. If we do the do's, we don't have to worry about doing the don'ts. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We'll just start with one. Just one. The fruit of the Spirit's love. Whose fruit is it? Remember that. It's the Spirit's fruit. If you abide in Him, the fruit of His Spirit has to be produced in your life. Love is the first step. Love is the key to this whole thing. It's why Jesus came. It's the, it's the singular most critical element and why it's mentioned and listed first in the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's the most important. When Jesus was being challenged and they asked him what was most important, this is what he said. I'll start at verse 28. I think this is in... I don't know how to reference down here. It might be um, Mark 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And this is Jesus' answer. He says the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourselves. There is no greater commandment than this. Wow. When asked what was most important, if we want to do first things first, if we want to take baby steps, hey, I want a whole room full of people who can be transported, who can multiply food, heal the sick and raise the dead. Anybody else want that? But, all right, I'm willing to take baby steps first. I'm willing to take the first steps first. The first fruit listed in that same chapter, Galatians chapter 5, what Jesus said was most important is that we would love. 
Let's take those baby steps first. You want to learn to live by the Spirit? Let's learn to live by the Spirit by doing first things first, by taking the first steps first, by taking the baby steps first. And it's this. Love God. Be, be connected. Let the branch that you are be connected to the vine. That's him. Love him. And do with everything you got, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, everything. And then love other people like you love yourselves. Love's the first step. We can't live by the Spirit without love. We can't do it. If we try to sidestep it or do some kind of pseudo-spiritual shortcut and see if we can do an end round on love, we've already failed. It's impossible. It's impossible for so many reasons, not the least of which is this. God is love. He's the essence of love. Concerning this very issue, this is how Paul makes a reference to it. This is what he says to people who are trying to learn to live by the Spirit concerning love. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, he says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. I'm nothing. I don't care (laughs) if we can multiply food or be transported or heal the sick or raise the dead if we're not loving one another. I've done this long enough that I don't want to lead a group of people who are experts at all that stuff and don't love. If I got to choose, I want both. I want both. (laughs) But if I got to choose, I want love. I'll take love without the other stuff. But I need love. I think love is the foundation. It's the only foundation strong enough that can hold the weight of those other things. It's the only foundation strong enough that can, can, can bear the burden of the gift of prophecy or understanding and fathom all mysteries and have all knowledge. It's the only thing that's strong enough to carry the weight of faith that can move mountains. We got to be able to love. Maybe the most dangerous verse of Scripture, and I'll end with this one. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. These are the people who try to do it without love. These are people who try to live a spiritual life, who try to live a supernatural life, and did it without love, without being connected to love. They tried to be branches that would bear fruit without being connected to the vine. This is what Jesus had to say about them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, away from me. I never knew you. Ho! Oh, I gotta tell you what, as somebody who's been a charismatic Christian my whole life, this strikes fear in my heart. How many times 
on this 30-odd-year journey that I've been on, have I focused so much on prophesying right and casting out demons right and whether or not I could perform miracles, and I did it in such a way he didn't know who I was. I put those activities, as good as they are, in a place of supremacy that was greater than being in a, a relationship with him where he would know me. I've told you before, the word know there is gnosko. It means to know personally. It means to know intimately. It's the same as the Hebrew word yada. To know one another. Abraham knew yada, Sarah, right? And they had a son. Adam knew Eve. They had an intimate, personal, experiential interactive relationship where they knew one another. And what was missing in this people, even though they apparently could prophesy and drive out demons and perform miracles, they weren't known by him. What was missing was love. <laughs> because he's love. Somebody missed the baby steps. They missed the first steps. So I want to do that. How about you? I don't want to make that mistake. I want to be a man who lives a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as your pastor, I want to do everything in my power to help you do the exact same thing. And this I know. If we want to do this right, if we want to do this his way, the first steps is that we love. That we love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. If these people in Matthew 7 that Jesus is referencing had loved God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, he would have known them, right? How could they love him with all their heart, all their mind, all their soul, and all their strength, and he not know them? That was the missing part. So let's do that. And then next, built upon that, let's love one another. Ho. Oh. Now I think we got a winning combination. Now we got fertile soil. Now we got a solid foundation that will not shake, no matter what comes against it. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. That's why he came. That's why he paid the price that he paid. It's why he lived the life that he lived. by us loving God and us loving one another. So I say let's get these, these parts right. Let's do first things first. Let's get these baby steps right. Let's begin there. Let's not stop there, but let's begin there. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's pray. Let you guys stand. Father, today was a good day, and I'm thankful for it. I'm grateful. Thank you for being good to us. Lord, I pray for our worship team members, that you would bless them. They so blessed us today. I ask that you would throw open heaven, and that you would pour out such blessing and favor. You just gush on them today, oh God. Show them how much you love them. Bless them for blessing us. And Lord, I pray for us as a church. Lord, I want to do this thing. I know you had a plan. You had a way in which you wanted it to be done. 
You want us, I believe, with all my heart, to be men and women who live supernatural lives in the power of your Spirit. Lord, I pray that we get it right. I pray that we would be people, and when all is said and done, it would be said of us that they walked in the Spirit, that they lived by the Spirit. Lord, I pray that when it's all said and done, you'll look at us and say, I knew them. I've known them all along. They're my close friends. Let that be said of us. As well as prophesying, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, multiplying food, all the other exciting stuff. Let it be so, God. Let it be said of us. Lord, take us on this journey. Take us the whole way. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love you guys. And-